From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 188. It is brought to you this week by Warby Parker, Casper, and Simple Contacts. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett. I'm joined, as I am most weeks, by my co-host, uh, Mr. Michael Hurley. How are you? Very well, Federico. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> That's, that was what was coming out of my mouth. Uh, hi, Stephen. <laughs> hi. Uh, Federico's here too. Spoiler hey, alert. This is me. <laughs> I just wanted him to know. I felt like Federico was just really intrigued to know how I was feeling, so I just thought I would give him that information immediately. Do you often get Federico and I confused in conversation? It's accents, man. <laughs> Can't tell between them. No, which is fancy we, to we me. do sound very similar. Yeah. <laughs> So we have a bunch of topics this week in the keeping with how spring of 2018 has has been. It's been a very busy week. We have lots of stuff to talk about. But first, we need to talk about some follow-up. And we're going to start with Snapchat, which is an app that young people use Not to send pictures to each other. <laughs> Not they anymore. Though? They all use, they use <laughs> IG now. They don't use Snapchat. I, I don't oh, know Look who's at you, left. IG. That's what the cool kids say. Exactly, because I wanted to show how young and hip I am. Mm. IG. They all use IG for their stories and and the like. So, you know, uh, they don't use Snapchat anymore. But Snapchat has finally released the uh, True Depth related stuff that, that was uh, shown on stage during the iPhone mm-hmm. X. Um, in September. Yeah, in September. So this includes, I think it's three different um, filters that, that map to your face. It also does some portrait mode type stuff, so it blurs out the background behind you. It's pretty impressive stuff. I do wonder why it took so long for them to release it, though. Um, but yeah, they're cool. L- look at it this way. It took less time to do this than it did for air power to ship. That's true. That's true. You heard it here so. first. Snapchat, more effective uh, company than Apple, according to Stephen Hackett. That, that, don't quote me directly. That's tweet length quotes right there. <sighs> but I like them. They're, they're, there's one that's like a, a wrestling thing, Ultimate Warrior. Looks cool, you know. But, but I had nothing else to say on it. But you know, there you go. They're there if you want them. There's uh, there's news in the Amazon Echo universe. A new service or new feature, I guess, called Intercom. So you can now ask your Echo to make announcements to all of the other devices. Uh, around the home. So I could be in my office, for instance, and ask the Amazon assistant to intercom, or I don't know, I actually don't know what the command is, but then I could basically... Uh, it's either tell everyone or broadcast. You could say one of those two things. Okay. And then it's like ship-wide communication, right? So I can I can just be like the voice of God in my house to mm-hmm. everyone inside with the other two echoes. Oh, you can also say announce. So you can say announce, tell everyone, or broadcast. And it doesn't do what you would necessarily think that it would do. Like it doesn't send your voice what? to the what? other devices. It, it send, it's the, the echoes speak. So if you say like, hey, echo, announce that dinner is ready, then all of them will say dinner is ready i want my voice to be booming throughout my house i don't know have you ever listened to because i don't know if you could if you knew if i don't know if people know you can do this but in the amazon uh, echo app right there is a a section where you can go through and it tells you what the device thinks that it heard right you can actually listen to the audio Mm -hmm. it's like Mm. you can you can press play and actually hear yourself the microphone quality is no good. 
right? Like for for human ears, obviously it's fine for yeah. robots. Yeah. But like it sounds terrible. <laughs> like so I I actually think this is a better way of doing it. That feature uh, when you go back and listen to your. Uh to your recordings it's almost like in video games when you find those old tapes like those audio recordings <laughs> of other characters and you listen back and it's always such a crappy quality i hate those things <laughs> yeah i know also uh, it's there is something really weird about listening to the 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 things that you say yeah it kind of feels a bit creepy <laughs> said the podcaster is it what you do for a living <laughs> No, 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 no. Okay, I need to. Okay. It sounds terrible to listen to my voice. It's horrible, horrific thing. No, but because it's like when you're speaking to it, like you're never expecting yourself to be like really heard. It kind of sounds weird to me. Like when I listen to it, it's, it, I don't know, it's, it's, it sounds strange. It just sounds very strange. Just, I don't know. Try it out. If you think it's not strange, then great. Maybe I just don't like the sound of my own voice. Uh, for some reason, this is only rolling out to the U.S. and Canada USA. right now. I don't know USA. what is wrong with Amazon. USA. Like, there are still features. Like, I, I can't get that. What was that new feature that was announced a couple of weeks ago uh, where you could do the follow-up yeah. thing, right? Where you can yeah. ask multiple mm-hmm. things. I still don't have that. Like, Amazon are creating this. They own the devices. Why, why, do, they own, why do they not roll out internationally? I don't get it. Like, I really don't understand. Like, I had to wait, like, six months to get multiple timers. Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't understand what they're doing over there. Come on, Amazon, like, just sort it yeah, out. I don't know. So we're going to wrap up follow-up talking about Apple Music. The service has officially hit 40 million users. That that number had been floated, I think, last week as sort of a rumor, but it is sort of official now. And uh, Apple has announced the promotion of Olive, Oliver Schuscher? 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 Schuscher sounds fancy. Shusa. Shusa. I think it's just Shusa. Uh, Is leading Apple Music worldwide, always on, and is the new vice president of Apple Music and international content. He's an Apple alum, has worked on the App Store, iBooks, and podcast teams, and he's from some town called London. I don't don't know anyone who lives there. I think it's London. Yeah, it's uh, French. Mm. London. Yeah, it's they missed in the copy and paste from this text document. It missed some of the accents. There's an apostrophe after the L, so it's l- undone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> undone is uh, island in in French, so it's uh-huh, yeah, that's uh-huh. good. That's what it says. It's the little island, is what it means. <laughs> if you're to to translate it, so he's from the little island, uh, and he played uh, a key role in the Shazam acquisition, which isn't complete yet. Right. Because hashtag regulation, but uh, that he, that's, he played a role in that. 40 million users is a lot of users considering they're all paying. It's a lot of people, man. Catching that they're, they're doing, I think they're doing a good job of like building that thing. Like Apple Music, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it surprises me every time I see the number increasing because I wonder to myself how it's happening. Like, what you know, like, why does it continue to increase? Like, what I don't really feel like Apple are like specifically doing stuff. I guess it's just like maybe new people buying devices or just people like opening the music app at a random time and being like, yeah, okay, I'll sign yeah. up for this. Because it, it, it feels like the, it's, I don't know, maybe I'm missing it, Like, but I feel like it's not as heavily marketed as Spotify, but maybe I'm in the wrong market for it or something, right, to not see the ads. I don't know. Yeah, and, and to compare Spotify, so they just had their IPO last week uh, in their filing paperwork disclosed that they had 71 
million paying users at the end of 2017, which was up from 48 million in 2016. But remember, Spotify also has a free tier, and the free tier has 160 million people on it. So uh, for Spotify... I think that's why it surprises me, right? That like Spotify have got like 30 million more paying users... Like Apple doesn't have like a free right. There's no way tier without for paying. people to yeah. try it, so it's like it's wild that they've gotten to 40 million well, so well, quickly. They do have the trial, which is what is it 30 days or is it still is it still longer? Um, yeah, but you know, I, I think a lot of people understand that trials mean you're going to yeah. get you know you're, you're in yeah. the system, right? Like you know, it, it, free is very different to trial. That's fair, I think. But so I think it's it's pretty impressive that they've gotten to this point. Um, especially with Taylor Swift going back to Spotify. And Federico. Really, both of them. Yeah. Did you go back because Taylor Swift left? Yeah, yeah. I, our <laughs> our management desi- decided to go yeah. back to, to Spotify. There's some bad blood there, maybe. <laughs> is, that a, is that a Taylor Swift quote from you? <laughs> I'm as shocked as anyone. Wait. <laughs> That's a reference. I just thought that was... You- Wow! I mean, look at you, Steven. That's uh, you, you you know music. That's uh, <laughs> not made by really sad bands from the early two thousands. <laughs> I mean, I I just assumed that you only listened to the Beatles, uh, because you know, old Apple. Uh, no, I'm surprised. Congratulations! Thanks, Mike. Can can we end this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't most certainly can. Today's show is brought to you by Warby Parker, quality eyewear at a fraction of the usual prices. Warby Parker was founded by four friends who believed that your glasses shouldn't cost more than your iPhone does. They've cut out the middleman so they can sell directly to you in store and online. This means that Warby Parker are able to provide high-quality, good-looking prescription frames at a much fairer price. And if you're looking online and thinking, mm, I don't know about this online glasses buying thing, Warby Parker have made it so easy because they have a free home try-on program. You can order five pairs of glasses and try them on for five days with no obligation to buy. It doesn't cost you anything. Shipping is free. They even include a prepaid return shipping label as well. So you can go on their website, pick a bunch of frames, and then when you found your favorite pair, they can even call your doctor for you if you're not even sure what your prescription is. Couldn't make it more simple. Warby Parker frames start at $95 for their glasses, including prescription lenses that all have an anti-glare and anti-scratch coating. And not only that, but every pair that you buy, Warby Parker will distribute a pair of glasses to someone in need. So as well as looking fancy fresh, you're also doing something great for somebody else in the world. Now, Mr. Stephen Hackett, I know that you uh, did the home try-on recently, and I've seen you've had some super cool-looking frames in your YouTube videos. Yeah, so you do the, you know, you pick five, and they mail them to you, and then you have the the hard decision of seeing which one you want to go with. And so for me, I tried, tried them on for my whole family. We did like a fashion show. It's very self-conscious about that. Took pictures, put them on Instagram because I'm a youth, mm-hmm. and people voted. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to like IG. go mm-hmm. through that because when you normally – pick out glasses like in the eye doctor's office or something like you're alone, right? Like you're trying to like FaceTime your partner and they don't answer. And then you're just like left to make a decision alone, which is horrifying. And uh, so Warby Parker makes that sort of a family affair, you know, talk to people in your life and pick something as a group. Lots of fun. Listeners of this show can go to warbyparker.com slash connected and order a free home try on kit today. Once you've done that, check out the Warby Parker app. 
They've built an awesome home try-on companion, which lets you create a quick video of you wearing all the frames so your family and friends can help you choose, right? So you can you can have even a virtual fashion show if you want. And this is pretty friggin' awesome. If you have an iPhone 10, you can use their brand new Find Your Fit feature. It uses the True Depth camera to map and measure key facial features. Then it will recommend around 12 frames that they believe will best fit your face. The process is seamless and takes just a few seconds. I just think if you have an iPhone 10, just try this out anyway, just for funsies. It's time to upgrade your glasses experience. Go to warbyparker.com slash connected to order your free home try-on today. Thank you so much to Warby Parker for their support of this show. So there is a new uh, red iPhone. Um, rumored on Sunday, came out on Monday. There's a MKBHD unboxing, uh, which you can go and watch, which includes... Just some great sounds of uh, plastic being peeled off of phones, which is one of just my favorite sounds in the world. You know that little like sh- sound that it makes. Uh, and so here we go, right? So this is we've had this a few times now. I think once before with the iPhone Seven, um, they did a product red. So you know, money uh, goes for AIDS research from the sale of these products, and people get to get a nice new red iPhone, right? It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I just. I just wonder why they don't do this uh, earlier, like in September. Uh, imagine if you could choose between a like uh, black iPhone, gold iPhone, silver iPhone, and red iPhone. And I think I, a lot more people would buy the red ones. And I don't wanna. I almost don't wanna say this, but maybe that's exactly mm-hmm. why Apple may not want to do <laughs> this because that would be. I think I agree. A lot of money that goes to research, which. I mean, it's a noble effort, and and I applaud Apple for doing this. But if you really care about it, then why not do it in the in the window of maximum exposure to new customers? Um, and maybe that's exactly the answer I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I think it could be one of two things. Like one is the money uh, that they don't want to give away. All, they want to give away some money, but not all the money. Yeah. Uh, and the other that maybe from a design perspective, they prefer their colors. Right, Could be. and like that, you know, they want people to have the colors that they think are the best, rather than adding in red, which is maybe not the color Apple would necessarily think was the best for their products. You know, like there's no iPhone 10, right? Which and why is that? Like maybe they think that it doesn't look as good, or maybe they don't. You know, they want the 10 to remain this like premium thing, which can only be like silver and black because it's fancy and premium and grown up, right? Like I don't know, you know. But there's definitely something weird about the fact that they do this. And they do it. it did they do it? Is, is there like um, is there like a, 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 a World AIDS Day or something that they do it in conjunction with? I don't. It's in it's in December. Uh, I looked it up. So yeah, so it's not even uh, related no, to that, right? Like no. I would get it if that was the reason. Huh. I think the answer is as cynical as it seems. They want to prop up mid-cycle iPhone sales. Like I don't know how many people yeah. go out and buy this. I've only seen one red iPhone Seven out in the wild, but it is mid-cycle. Uh, I think actually this week may even start quarter the the new quarter for Apple. I'm not positive about that, but it's you know it's mid cycle, and uh, if you can get some people in the door to buy a phone in a cycle that's generally slower, then it's not a bad thing from Apple's perspective. I mean that's cynical, but I, I kind of think that's what's going on. You know, but that's like little column A, little column B, right? Like it helps you business wise, and also helps the world. Oh, sure, right? yeah. Like, whilst I agree that it's a cynical take. I know that you're not saying this, but like it's still a better thing than a no oh, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it's better than they do this and get something out of it than not do it at all. So, like, you know, it's like little column A, little column B, right? They, they, they could just give all their money to AIDS research, but that's not how it works, right? Like, that's not how these things work. They partner with this company. They create a thing. It's like a limited edition. People buy it. This is like Product Red has been around for like, wow, pretty much as long as I've been in, like interested in Apple products yeah, I mean, now, right? Like, like all the iPod mm-hmm. Nanos and stuff used to come in these colors. So, you know, it's it's a cool thing, but I do agree that I think this just comes down to the fact of like I would like more colors. Yes. Right? Just in general, um I think that would be really nice, but I haven't, you know, I I I just don't have any real belief or hope that they're going to branch outside of the uh colored aluminum that we have right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the like that that video MKBHD did the red looks incredible, and uh, I'm looking forward to going and seeing Very it in different. the store. Like that would be so great to have that level of saturation in a green or a blue. You know, you know, the, I've got the five C phones here, and like they're beautiful, uh, but they're sort of they're a little washed out. They're not as vibrant as these are. I agree with you. I wish Apple would do it because I think it would be it would be a lot of fun. However. At the same time, for me, I always have a case, so the color of the phone doesn't really make a difference right. in the long run anyway. That's the huge like other side of this, that most people by far have have a case on their phone. And Apple does keep those colors refreshed. I feel like Apple would have to, I feel like Apple would have to make clear cases if they made colored Maybe. phones. Or punch holes in them. <laughs> that would like also be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's how you do it. That's how you show yeah. off the color. Just put a bunch of holes in a really awkward place. There'll be place. a link to my 5C video <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> Go watch it. Of course there will. Yeah, we can put that in there too. But yeah, this this red one, it's more bright. It's definitely more bright than the last one because it's not the anodized aluminum, which is typically like just darker anyway because of the process. Uh, but it does it does look pretty nice, I've got to say, because mm-hmm. it's pretty nice. Stephen, do you want to break down some Mac Pro news? I do. So this is at this point now, like a week old. So the, the gist of it, I'm sure everyone's heard is that, uh, Matt Panzerino over at TechCrunch got invited out to Apple's campus and sort of like a, a part two of the Mac Roundtable last year, kind of got a status update on the, the Mac pro. And the highlights here are, it's a 2019 product. That's a direct quote, uh, from, from Apple. It's not going to be this year. I think we had even said on this show, I kind of thought it would be previewed at WWDC and then released at the end of this year. Not true. 2019. So that that is what it is. And I think they wanted to clear that air for two reasons. One, you don't want people grumbling at WWDC, given the bad news now. and They're over it by June. Uh, and they even addressed this directly in a quote saying, we have a lot of customers who are debating uh, buying an iMac Pro uh, and if they should wait for a Mac Pro or not. And that's a clear signal to those users. If you need something now, uh, the iMac Pro is your only option for, you know, at least at least until sometime in 2019. So that's fair. I'm glad Apple communicated that because if if this keynote in June came and went with no Mac Pro conversation, like lots of people would be uh, talking about that. And now we talk about it in April and we don't talk about it in June and we can talk about new stuff in June. So that makes lots of sense. The thing I want to mm-hmm. talk to the two of you about is the um, is a like why does this process take so long? Uh, but b the the creation and then the disclosure of what Apple is calling a pro workflow team. So we'll get to that in a second. But um, 
you know, why, why is this taking so long? There's a lot of, there's a lot of feeling on Twitter and, and including in our like follow-up email, like why can't they just put Xeons in a box? Like take the iMac pro, put it in a box, put some PCI slots in it and ship it. You know, you can build a PC very easily. Why can't Apple just build a, a box that runs Mac OS? I think that's a fair question. Uh, and I'm curious what y'all think about that. Design. Like you gotta be proud of the things you're putting out there. And whilst I understand people want just raw power, mm-hmm. Apple are never going to give you that in something that they haven't designed and made special in their own way. They're just not going to yeah. do it. Right. Like, and I understand that people might want it, but for now they'll just tell you. And I guess there's part of this is why they are telling you if you want power by an iMac mm-hmm. pro, cause you've got some right. time. Right. And I think, and, and I like that they came out and kind of said that, that they like, they were thinking they wanted to protect people that were trying to make, purchase decisions i mean but that's what they'll tell you until they have something that they're proud of to put on a poster like apple is the biggest company in the world right if they released a black box that had all the power in it that'd be that'd be creamed in the press right for this ugly thing like it doesn't matter who it's for it doesn't matter who it's for like everyone would find out about the fact that apple's not innovating anymore they can't even make a desktop machine anymore. Like they, they can't afford to do that because of the wider impact mm. that I think some like a really horrifically boring looking product would mm. have on them. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I read this story and I and I was listening to a few podcasts that covered the news of this pro workflow team and I don't have any thoughts. I don't I don't have any particular opinion about the mac pro itself <laughs> i did want to talk about the concept of the pro workflow team okay. and the idea that they called a bunch of people to work at apple and these people uh, all use you know mac computers too uh, for advanced video editing and um you know all these other tasks that apple has identified as pro tasks and uh, in reading this story on TechCrunch, i I felt this strange sort of dissonance in terms of marketing from the same company that sells an iPad Pro to say our Pro workflow team is all about macOS. And I'm going to be that guy, of course, who says you can also do Pro things on iOS. So why is the Pro workflow team Mac only or Mac most of the time, at least? Mm. Um, It seems like it's not really a pro workflow team, but almost like a, like a team of consultants that they hired to tell them what they should do for the Mac Pro. But to call it like a pro workflow team, so this, this umbrella term that should include iOS, should include, you know, uh, the iPad Pro, which has pro in the name, but seem to be mostly focused on Mac OS and this new computer. It should be called really the Mac Pro team at this point or the Mac Pro consultants you know a couple things one like i don't i would hope and i and maybe we give them the benefit of the doubt maybe we don't that apple does have a group pushing the boundaries of ios in the way that, that this team is helping them with the mac pro but if you look at the type of tasks that this computer is built for same thing that imac pro is built for it right? audio production video production you know rendering 3d graphics ar and vr development very little of that happens on iOS. I'm not saying that it can't, or I'm not saying that it, it won't in the future. But if you're talking about like people who buy 
$10,000 computers to make movies on, they're, they're just not going to use an iPad, at least at this point. And I think that the consumer, uh, like the professional, or the, excuse me, the professional market uh, that does still use Apple products for this stuff, and Apple's lost ground there over the last few years, uh, that the Mac is their their tool of choice because as great as the iPad Pro is and as great as some apps on it are, there's nothing even close to what you can do in something like uh, Adobe Premiere or Adobe After Effects. That just doesn't exist on iOS. And so if you need those tools, you choose between a Mac and a PC, and Apple only builds one of those. So I think to a degree, you're complaining about something that like is is sort of a, a fixed entity, at least now. Now, will the iPad get there in the future? I think I really think it will. Um, but at this point, at least, if you are you know, one of these like really high end professionals, the Mac or PC is your only option because the iPad isn't there yet. It, it may be there for <laughs> other types of professional work uh, and you are the king of that. But in, in what they are talking about in this article and what this machine is really designed for, uh, the, the iPad just not really an option. It just feels strange to me, I suppose, that both platforms are called Pro. Mac Pro, iMac Pro, and iPad Pro, it's right there in the name. I didn't choose the name, Apple did, <laughs> but only one of them gets the special team. So, Well, and uh, I don't think this team would exist really <laughs> if they weren't building this computer, right? Like, it feels... Exactly. So it's a Mac Pro consultant team. <laughs> so well, they, they have said that this team is also working on all lines of professional Macintosh, right? So, like, mm. the iMac Pro and the MacBook yeah. Pro will also, like, this team will feed into it. I do have two two potential counterpoints for you, Federica. Um, I think point one is a, a problem that I can see, and, and I know a lot of people have felt, depending on what type of work they do, um, it is who Apple considers to be a creative professional and the type of work a creative professional does um, is very constrained mm-hmm. to the Mac, right? So... Uh, 3D animation, like all of the things that you mentioned, like 3D animation, uh, audio creation, like music, uh, film editing and stuff like that. All of that stuff is better suited to the Mac. There are a lot of creative professionals that Apple have not chosen to reference um, and or potentially hire to work with to get their opinions on this. You know, like I know, especially in our community, a lot of developers are like, well, okay, like, I am a professional who uses Macintoshes. Like, do we not look at what my concerns yeah. are? Like, is it just people that use Final Cut and not people that use Xcode? Right. So, like, I I think that one of the reasons that this team seems to only be publicly working on stuff that's going to go for the Mac is that the use cases Apple have chosen to focus on are typically Mac focused use cases. My other thought is Apple hired these people, I think, because they had to agree that they didn't know what they were doing right like they needed to hire mm-hmm. these people because they clearly felt like they had been doing wrong to the people using those machines because everything they did was not making them happy my thought is maybe they don't feel that way with ios like apple feel like they've got that under control yeah because like if yeah. if you look everything that they've done for professional iPad users, by and large, over the last couple of years, has made that community more happy. 
So that would be my feeling is like they, they maybe Apple felt like they'd lost their way for Mac professionals in a way that they haven't for iOS professionals, or at least they feel like they have a better roadmap for iOS professionals on their own without needing external assistance. Mm. So they brought in the, the pro workflow team for the Mac because they're just potentially a more complex area anyway, trying to understand how the, like these people work. Um, and that maybe they just didn't have a clear enough roadmap because everything they have been doing has been upsetting the professional community of the Mac. Yeah, so it's either um, that they think they're they're doing okay in terms of um, addressing the pro customer on iOS, and mm-hmm. so they need the extra help for the Mac, or they call it an iPad Pro, but they don't really think it's a pro machine in the same way that the Mac the, the, the Mac can be, which is true, but... It's a different kind of professional. And mm. and I think that the type of professional on the Mac is a more complex... have more complex needs. You know, like a professional iPad user, by and large, means someone who uses iOS to do work, and that work... It's typically like email and spreadsheets and documents and that kind of stuff, which is, I think, by and large, pretty much taken care of and is getting stronger um, in a way that hmm. maybe the Mac has not been yeah. and, recently. And you can see that difference in Apple's own tools, right? So something like iMovie on the iPad is it has a set of tools, and if, if what you need to build fits in those tools that's great but if you need something like final cut or adobe premiere uh you know apple hasn't brought final cut to the ipad yet they, they still see a distinction between what the devices are sort of geared toward what their strengths are you know something like final cut benefits from having a big 27 inch display and a keyboard and a trackpad and maybe they haven't worked out a way to make that really work on the ipad yet. i don't know the specifics but i think even in the way apple treats the pro products they see a distinction in the type of pro users that gravitate toward each one i don't think that means that you know one is up and one is down in their view um but i think mike does have a point that i think they are fully aware at this point i think that's what led them to this roundtable a year ago that their mac pro mac professional users especially in the creative industries were were hurting and uh you know I have some frustration this machine is taking so long, but in seeing that they have put this team together and that they're working on like actual projects and producing actual content and like seeing how it all fits together, that I find encouraging because Apple at least is uh, is finally listening to to what those users need. Yep. So we we have no idea what teams exist inside of Apple. Like Matt Panzerino makes reference to the fact in this fact in the article, right, that this team has existed for quite a while now, but now they're choosing to share yeah. it. So like this it is just leak. an example of like who knows what type of teams are working on different platforms, right? Like there literally could be an iPad Pro workflow team for all we know, but they just don't feel the need to share it because it's not required. Yeah. And they they're trying to build a case right now of we are listening. They are trying to make it right, which is the whole reason they disclosed it. So I don't think they're... And honestly, like if they do have some kind of professional iPad advancement team, now is the wrong time to share that. <laughs> right? You share that information right now, and it's like more fuel to the fire that they're just going to kill the yep. Mac. Which I think right now is not is not what Apple want to put out into the world. Right? Like 
I think that right now they are laying the groundwork for everything we were talking about last week and we'll continue talking about for the next couple of months, right? Transitions. And one of the best ways to start this transition is to try and make sure that Mac customers are comfortable, right? Like, because it, as soon as you start doing something where you're making the Mac more iOS-y, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a lot of people uncomfortable. So laying the groundwork now to show that the Mac is being, is in good hands and being taken care of is a very important thing that Apple need to do. So, you know, if I'm working there, it's like, well, how much stuff can we do right now to make sure that our Mac customers feel like they're being taken care of? And that's where stuff like this happens. Because in a few months' time, there might be some kind of software platform which in some people's minds might like devalue Mac development a little bit, right? And so I think that it is important right now to to show that you're being taken care of, right? And I think that they are. Like, I think, the, you know, they can show what they're actually doing. And I think that Apple clearly is is recommitted to the Macintosh in a way that they haven't been in multiple years. Um, so that's why they're proving it. Right, they're, they're they're bringing people in and, and walking them around and, and proving it. Unless you're a Mac Mini customer, <laughs> oh, oh man, <laughs> that that doesn't exist. That that yeah, they have no they have no uh, pro team yeah. caring about those people. No, no, they have a mini team. Just a really tiny it's team of people. One intern. <laughs> yeah, this mini 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 team. All right, should we take a break? Yeah. Do you feel okay, Federico? I do. Yeah, you feel okay now. Yeah, if, if we helped, if we helped make you feel more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally comfortable with my iPad Pro. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just want to make sure I just want to make sure that you know it gets uh, gets some love. It's uh, that that the pro that the pro efforts are not gonna be exclusive maybe, to the maybe Mac me going and you forward. Should be the maybe me and you should be the pro workflow team. Yeah, I mean, do you, you know? do you want to work at Apple? No, but like we could just send them a bunch of email about it. Or we can you know, m- like, we can make our own team and just we're yeah. we're the pro workflow team, but we don't work at Apple. Who cares? Yeah, we're we're independent, and we just I, like, you know what? I actually think we've been doing that for the last couple of years. I think we've already <laughs> been doing that. It's like when those. It's like when you hear the news of random people establishing countries. It's like now I'm the king of you know. Uh, Ooh, you know we are the independent pro workflow <laughs> team of iPad. Good luck with that, guys. We have our own passports and everything. Today's show is brought to you by Casper, the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable one night at a time. You spend so much of your life sleeping, a third of it, in fact. So don't you want to make sure that it's the best that it can possibly be? This is why you want a Casper mattress. They're perfectly designed for human beings with engineering to soothe and support our natural geometry. Casper mattresses have all the right support in all the right places. How do they do this? Well, they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. These mattresses are designed and developed in the US and they have a breathable design that will help regulate your body temperature throughout the night. You know, you're not going to need to like roll around, stick your leg out the duvet or that kind of stuff because the mattress isn't going to make you all hot and sweaty. You're going to be nice and comfortable. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars online, you can see why Casper is becoming the internet's favorite mattress. They even have a 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial, so you can be sure of your purchase. You, they will deliver directly to your door. You can put it in your bed. You can dress it up with your sheets and sleep on it for up to 100 nights. And if you don't love it for any reason, they have a hassle-free 
return policy. So you can buy it and be safe in knowing that you are going to be comfortable because of that 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Stephen, can you tell me a little bit about like how you, you introduce a Casper mattress to your home? It's great. It shows up in a box like the size of a dorm fridge. Like, you know, we've all obviously seen mattresses and we've all moved mattresses. That's a terrible experience. You don't have to do that when you get one new. It comes in this box. You take it into the room you want it to be in. You cut it open. It shows you right where to cut and right how to open it. So you're not going to hurt anything. You're not going to damage it. Don't stab the mattress. That's a bad idea. Don't want to stab it. Just that's. It's not a good way to introduce the mattress to you. No, home. that's. It's going to set the the relationship off on the wrong foot. You don't want no. that. You open it up and it it unfurls and it sort of pulls all the air into it and it is <laughs> like we we periscoped ours because it's so crazy. Like it's just this this box. You mm-hmm. drag it in, no problem. Open it up and it's just there, ready to go. Like a like a like a plant coming up from the earth. You know, for the very first time, a a Casper springs into Mm. life in your bedroom. Oh, metaphors. Mm -hmm. You can get $50 towards select mattress purchases by going to casper.com slash connected and using the code connected at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, that is casper.com slash connected and the offer code connected for $50 towards select mattress purchases. Our thanks to Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM. So uh, we were speaking earlier about the fact that uh, Apple were doing great things. You know, they have a phone and it goes out and can help improve the world. But they're doing other things to improve the world in recycling. Apple has announced, well, not recycling, clean energy is what I'm thinking (laughs) of. Apple have announced, just you do it. I don't want to do it anymore. You do it. Apple has announced that all of its facilities are now powered by 100% clean energy. This came out in a press release mm. and then a really, I found at least a very fascinating article in Fast Company that kind of walks through like how it actually works. Cause like, it's not that every Apple store has a solar panel on like the roof of the local mall, right? It's, it's that they are purchasing clean energy. They're putting energy back in the grid and it, it bounces out. So every store, office, data center, everything, they said they have like these little remote offices with like one team in them. Even those, like if they're you know, in some other building, they are all accounted for with clean energy. And in that, in that Fast Company article, they talked to Lisa Jackson, who is uh, the executive in charge of all this at Apple. And she says, you know, other companies like try to buy credit and like try to like fudge the numbers and make this work. And she actually said, you know, Apple, we have been at 96% for a while now. And some companies would just round that up. But Apple wants to say, no, we are truly 100%. Um, but what I think is even more impressive, and, and that is impressive on its own, they're building solar farms all over the place, all sorts of crazy stuff. Uh, but they are working with their manufacturing partners to have them committed to going 100% clean as well. So they have uh, nine additional partners they've announced, bringing up to a total of 23. So these are companies that, for instance, you know, make uh, components that go into an iPhone or an iPad, or you know, the, the company that you know, produces this one part of this one chip or this one type of, of connector or something. So all these, you know, Apple's manufacturing this huge web, right, of all these different companies all over the world, and they are pushing further into that web to say, hey, you know, we do this from a corporate standpoint, we want you to do it as well. And Apple's big enough, right, to say that to somebody like, hey, you know, it'd be a real shame if something happened to your factory here, you should hook it up to some clean energy. That's basically, I think, what's happening. 
very strong arm people are making them offers they can't refuse yeah so this is um you know like i said it's not a solar panel on the roof of every mall that has an apple store it's more complica- complicated than that but it's very clear to me reading this, this article that apple takes it very very seriously and that they are like apple is kind of an energy company right they, they say that they're not but like they kind of are you know like you're you're dealing with all these things on a massive scale and we talk about apple's employee numbers and how those ranks have just swelled thousands of people are working on this stuff right that they're they're going out into these communities and and talking with local energy companies and building solar farms and managing wind farms and all this stuff. It's a massive effort and it's a real milestone to hit a hundred percent. Yeah, I think any I mean this is this is a typical example of like the, the the weird problems that Apple faces being the size that they are. Like they're so large and they have so many customers and so many employees that they find themselves walking into all of these weird things. Like they're also kind of a bank. Yeah. Right, because they have so much. They have like Apple Pay and then Apple Pay Cash, where they have people's money, and that money can be spent inside of the Apple system. But because they have so many people, it kind of makes them like a bank. And they, you know, sometimes they have to make sure that their buildings are powered, so they have to create huge solar farms mm-hmm. and huge wind farms, as you say, making them kind of like an electricity company. Because they don't, they do buy a lot of this stuff, but in in some instances, they are building it themselves. Right. They are building their own energy plants or whatever, which is just this really wild idea to think of the fact that they're doing this. Like it is. It, you know, this is one of those things where you're a company of Apple's size and money. You can focus on stuff that you care about mm-hmm. because you have the ability to do so. You have the clout to do so. And, you know, with the manufacturing partners, I'm sure it's one of these situations coming to contract negotiation time. And these companies really want to stick with Apple. And they're like, great, we'll tell you what you can do. Yeah. We want 100% clean energy from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, what are you going to do? Right, you need that contract, so you do it. So this is like Apple using their power to do something that is good, you know. Like in this, so you know, we're saying that there can be a cynical take on the the red iPhone, right? I feel like there's less of a cynical take available here. Like they're not able to sell anything because of the fact that they're on 100% renewable energy. Mm-hmm. Like this just really feels like a thing that you do that makes this corporate good. Yeah. That maybe makes some people think better about you, but you can get away with saying you're ninety percent, and most people will feel pretty much the same. But like they push it to the to the to the final mark because they care about it and because they have the facility to do it. Like this right. is something that they can afford to do, and, so they just and do they're it. not done, right? Like they are expanding and building more data centers in there. They, they talk about their capacity at their data centers. You know, they expect it to go up. You know up and up and up over the next few years as their services mm-hmm. business becomes more important. So this isn't like, oh, we did it. Now all these people will have like something else to do. Uh, it is very much something that will be ongoing. As they and build a new data center, they uh, want to be there on day yeah. one or they lose that 100% mark. Uh, and additional campuses, additional offices, yep. right? Like they're, they're building a huge presence here in London in, mm-hmm. the, in the converted Batsy Power Station. They're apparently building a new big campus, whatever that actually means, somewhere in the U.S., yeah. right? So every time they do something like this, they have to make sure they have the power for it. Even just a big new stores, right? Like everything, it becomes a big part. I expect in the same way that like the device recyclability became a thing for them, right? Like when Greenpeace was on their back about the, the damage that the devices is doing to the world, and then Apple sought to fix it. 
now, like every device that they make, they have to make considerations about how recyclable are the parts that we're putting into this. And I expect that that's very similar when it comes to building new offices. And there's still stuff to do there, right? Like, I mean, I'm just going to hold off the email about repairability and that sort of thing, because that, that is an issue too. But it's clear that Apple cares about this, and uh, there's still work to be done. Like, the iPads are all still glued together. It's still difficult mm-hmm, to take mm-hmm. them apart unless you know what you're doing. But uh, clearly, it's something that they are they are working toward in those other areas as well. Uh, what was the name of the recycling robot? Liam. Liam. I haven't heard about him for a while. I want to know how he's doing. <laughs> All the great lenses. Okay. How many of them? 17. 17 mm-hmm. lenses on the next iPhone. Okay. That's where we're going. So what's, uh, what's this rumor from? There was a rumor from the Taiwan Economic Daily News via Mac Rumors. That the next iPhone, the 2019 iPhone, is going to add a third lens to the camera, a third 12 megapixel lens. And this will add to the current two lenses that we have. And what could this do, right? Why would you want to add another lens? Well, something that could be done with another lens is five times zoom. And this would assumedly be, from the rumor, optical zoom, because the iPhones can already do five times digital zoom. Even the 10 can do uh, 10 times. So you would want five times optical zoom, and that would be kind of incredible, right? And you think to yourself, why would somebody put three lenses on a phone? Well, Huawei just did it uh, with the P20, which if you've not seen the Huawei P20, that is a good-looking cell yes, it phone, is. in my opinion. Uh, it's got all the tenants of a, of a current you know, like cell phone you'd expect, right? Big screen, thin bezels, all that kind of stuff. It's got, a, it's, got an, it's got a notch on it, right? Which you can turn on and off, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, I, love, I love Android, man. I freaking love Android because like, that is like the, maybe the most Android thing that has ever happened. They can turn <laughs> off the notch. Like, freaking love that. That is incredible. Like, more power to you. Um, but the, the 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 real design feature of the Huawei P20 is it has like a Need for Speed paint job. What is that called when it can yeah, you can get two colors and depending on the light it shows a different color, like iridescent. Yeah, yeah, it's like what they put on Fast and Furious cars. Yes, you know. Yeah, that's, mm. that's what I'm talking about, right? It's that kind of paint job. <laughs> this Huawei P20 it has a three lens system all right that's it has a 40 megapixel f1.8 primary lens a 20 megapixel 1. f1.6 monochrome lens which i think is to help do a lot of the depth stuff so like they map them together and then an 8 megapixel f2.4 telephoto lens of a three times optical zoom and i'm going to put a link in the show notes to a review from the verge the photos from this phone look incredible and it is reviewing very well, right? Like, Vlad Savov, who is he's a great reviewer, like, I really trust the stuff that he's saying. It's like, this is a iPhone 10 slash Samsung Galaxy S9 competitor, right? Like, this is up there. I mean, there are there are issues with Huawei right now, Stephen. Am I correct? I learned this from Subnet. Yeah, parts of the U.S. government basically want to ban them from the U.S. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Because they are a uh, they're a Chinese company, right? And there's there's some concern about they're them. in they're they're in tight with the Chinese government in ways that make some American politicians uncomfortable. No carriers were carrying the previous Huawei phone, uh, so who knows if you can get it? But it does look really great. So I mean, now that it exists in a phone, you can see 
why you would want it, right? Like why why it might exist. Like if I could get three or five times optical zoom on my phone, like I think I would very much like that feature, even if it meant adding a third camera to the phone. Especially if they tried to find a way to put it all in one unit. I do think that the Huawei P20 looks really weird, that it has the two-camera unit and then a third, like, solo lens. That's called, we want to look like the iPhone 10, but we also want a third camera. <laughs> Solved it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't know why they can't just put it all in one yeah, three-long line. Because, yeah. like, it's not like the, the bump is still the same. Like, it's the same effect because it's still the same, like, row mm-hmm. and i would expect that apple would do that right like they would put it all in one line but like i always want my camera to get better and even yes. if it means doing weird stuff like you, you know the, the band-aid was ripped off when they turned it into a bump at that point you can do whatever you want <laughs> right it, in my yeah. opinion yeah at what point is the the entire back of the phone is a lens like the entire back <laughs> is just the... <laughs> there's a product out there called the light l16 it is a, yes. a camera. Okay. It's one of the ugliest, one, just one of the very ugliest consumer products that exist in the world. It's $2,000. Oh, God, no. It's, about, it's no, like a, no, no, like a no, plus-size no. phone, and it has mm-hmm. basically 16 smartphone sensors in it. The best part is they're all labeled on the back. So, like, this one here is 70-millimeter mid-range it's pointless like why are, are you are you guys familiar with the term tripophobia Mm-mm. yes and it triggers me i don't yeah. like that yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. it's basically fear of uh holes irregular uh, small holes <laughs> yes yeah and yeah it the, makes me very uncomfortable the, the l16 camera does that to me <laughs> yeah yeah, I don't like it i don't like it a lot uh i i'm pleased that we uh that we share this uh this 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 weird it's yeah it's oh god oh god i'm googling to put it in the <laughs> no, show notes and it's showing no, me images no, no. Ah! <laughs> don't <sighs> do it mike mm, it's uh sorry the, the camera is like all it's always a safe bet to improve to count on an improved camera in the new iphone right like that's the safest draft pick of them all when it comes to an iphone event the thing that i have really been surprised by is that i do use that 2x optical zoom Kind of a lot, like especially on the ten, I use it a lot uh, where it's so good. Yeah. Like, I use it if my kids are doing something or like you know something outside. I want to punch in a little bit. So having some more range, uh, I would be I'd be all for that. I think that would really make it an even more flexible platform. Um, one thing I think Apple should work on though is making the trade offs that come with those you know those lenses a, a little better. So you know if if the f's, if the f stops could be the same, that would be great. If you know they're both optically image, they're both optically stabilized in the iPhone 10. Having that on this third one would be great, um, but I, I think it. You know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility at all. I mean, it's it's one of those things where like, if somebody else does it, and the benefits are good, it probably means Apple will do it, right? So like, I'm thinking like the notch, right? Somebody did it before Apple, but the but for good reason. Yeah. So they did it too, right? So like, I think even multiple lenses somebody did first, I think, right? Like having yes. two cameras on a phone. So like, I do want to be careful in the way that we phrase that because it's not like, uh, who put the first notch in the phone? What's Essential. Yeah, they sold like eight of them. It's not like Apple mm-hmm. saw Andy Rubin's new phone like, we got it. You know, they've been, it, there's this idea of like parallel development, right? That And, and people... Mm-hmm. 
like to defend Apple with this and not point at Samsung at it. Like they, all companies do this, right? Like we're not drawing lines in the sand. Simultaneous creation. Yeah. Like if if an idea is good enough, like the the industry is all eventually moving towards it. Right. So like they'll they'll get there together yeah, so, right like there is no way that like samsung can come out with the infinity display and then apple can come out with the iphone 10 based upon them working across the, right, what each other are doing right. like everyone's moving towards that anyway yes. because they are the logical movements of hardware development yeah, i just wanted to get that out there yeah but you know it, like huawei did it first probably i mean who knows there's probably some phone somewhere that have done this as well but they've done it first effectively which means that like if this is the best way to do what is trying to be done most smartphones will probably do it right and you can think about the um one of the things in the galaxy s9 was the uh what what is what does the lens do what is it called like where it physically moves uh the like the aperture yeah it has it has, it has two apertures Right, but it seems like all of the reviews, people are going like, it it doesn't really seem to make a difference, like it like so probably nobody else will do that for now until there can be significant difference to mm-hmm. it. Like Samsung did it, and it makes some difference, but it's really not very much, like on a day to day basis. So that might not be something we see catch on to everybody else. But like adding more lenses is always going to make well, in theory, can make things better. Today's episode is also brought to you by Simple Contacts. It is amazing when an app can take a tiresome task and make it fuss-free for you. And that is what Simple Contacts does by being the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription. You'll be able to reorder your contacts from anywhere in just minutes. All you need to do is complete their online self-guided vision test. It takes less than five minutes and you can do it from wherever you are right now. No more doctor's offices, no more waiting rooms. You can order your favorite contacts right from their website or app. Simple Contacts offers all of the lens brands that you love, or everyone that you want to use, with options for astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. You're able to order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand, whenever or wherever you want. Their vision test costs just $20. For comparison, an appointment without insurance could cost you way over $200. Simple Contacts wants to save you money and time. It is worth noting, and we want to let you know, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Their vision test is just to make sure that they have the correct prescription for you. Simple Contacts will check that the current prescription still helps you see 2020 and renew that prescription as well. Simple contacts, they end up just checking your current prescription, they make sure it helps you see 2020, and they kind of just renew that for you. So they're not writing your prescriptions for you every time or examining your eye health. You want to make sure that you're still going to get your full high eye health exam. Now, Stephen, I know that you've been through this simple contacts process as well, right? I have, and it's uh, it's really great. I mean, you, I did it. I set the phone up with the app, and it tells you how far away to walk, and then it walks you through the vision test. You have your contacts in because their whole idea is – Make sure your contact uh, are still, you know, what they need, doing what they need to be doing. We did the test, and then I could select from a, a big variety of, of brands. I use kind of a very specific contact lens brand. I've tried a bunch and found really one that really only one that works for me. And they had them, and within a few days they were on my doorstep. It was really a really fast kind of sci-fi to get to use your phone in that way. It was fun. As a listener of this show, you can get $30 off your contact lenses. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash connected, and you can enter connected at checkout. That is simplecontacts.com slash connected, or simply use the code connected at checkout for $30 off. That is a great, great discount. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show. 
So we're going to wrap up this week talking about this uh, rumor about Spotify. So like we said, they had their IPO and they're busy. They have lots of people uh, listening, but they want even more people listening because that's what you have to do after an IPO. And so they have an event coming up on April 24th and it is rumored and it's actually backed up by like some people like on Reddit and Twitter saying they've actually like seen marketing materials with this. It maybe it leaked a little bit from Spotify, but it seems that Spotify may be developing uh, an in-car streaming device. So it kind of looks like a uh, like a Chromecast. You know, it's like pretty small, and you leave it uh, you know in your car via Bluetooth, and it has voice control, which Spotify mm-hmm. has been working on, um, where you could just talk to the app or talk to this device, and it would basically kind of more or less like hardwire or Bluetooth Spotify to your car stereo. So you don't have to fiddle with your phone while you're driving. You just have this thing is dedicated, you know, just kind of live somewhere like clipped on the air vent or something. And obviously uses LTE. So you're looking at, you know, some sort of subscription, maybe like $12.99 a month to cover the data. Um, but uh, it's kind of cool. Like I, I kind of really like this idea. It's like a, uh, it's kind of like a, a modern iPod in a way, if you use Spotify. So um, Federico, what do you think about this? You're a Spotify user. You have a car. Does make sense to you? No, uh, um, uh, I stopped using Spotify like a few months ago, but I think it's oh, a, it's an awesome idea. I can't keep I can't keep up. I think it's an awesome idea, and I kind of wish that Apple made one of these. Uh, if I'm getting the details right, so this is an independent device that you can set up in your car. It connects via Bluetooth. It's got its own microphone, so it does not connect um, to the microphone via the phone, but it's got its own audio input. And it's got its own uh, cellular connection. So again, it does not depend on the on the phone. I think it's an awesome idea, especially because um, I have this problem uh, in my car. It does not. Su- I have two problems actually. It uh, it does not support CarPlay. So it's a uh, it's a Kia car that it came out uh, like the year before that Kia started supporting CarPlay. So I need to use my phone via standard Bluetooth and I get no special interface in on my car's dashboard. And when I try to play music using Siri, there's this delay between um, saying the trigger word or pressing the, the side button and the microphone sound indicating that Siri input is active, um, becoming, you know, playing on the on the stereo. So it's like I got to press or invoke Siri and then wait like three seconds before I can start talking, which is a Bluetooth bug that was never fixed for me. And it basically makes voice activation unusable. And so I would love to have this kind of device that it's independent from the phone. It doesn't it uses its own microphone instead of rerouting the input to the to the car and adding that delay. There's probably some kind of setting that I can change, but I don't know how this stuff works. I would love to have like an Apple Music puck that I can put in, in my car and it works. I think it's an awesome idea. I think if, if, it's, if it's done right, um, and if I were a Spotify user, I would be totally over this and get, like, get one immediately. And again, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the show before, but I think what, for example, Google is doing uh, with, what's it called? Android Auto? Yes. Uh, the, the, the CarPlay version of Google. Uh, the fact that it runs on phones that you can kind of emulate uh, Android Auto on compatible phones, I think that's a, that's a feature that they kind of announced last year. 
I think it should be it should be available on iOS too. Like Apple should, for people like me who want an iPhone and want to have iOS features in the car, but cannot get a CarPlay car just because Apple, you know, just because of Apple. I'm not changing the car that I drive because <laughs> of Apple. But also, I would love to have CarPlay. So why not enable like a special CarPlay UI mode on my phone? Like, well, yeah, I mean, it could be part of do not disturb while driving. Exactly. Right? Like, like Apple clearly feel that CarPlay is safe enough when you're driving. Like I feel like these, uh, you know, these big companies instead of, I mean, it's it's awesome that they're working directly with car manufacturers to bring these uh, these new services and software into new models and some, you know, select old models. I think there should be more ways to retroactively uh, bring these features into older cars so that you're still helping everyone. Uh, not be distracted or listen to music or bring up navigation. So whether it's a it's a separate device like Spotify for music playback or what Google is doing with Android Auto, I welcome all of these initiatives because I think everything you can do to you know to make me look at my phone less that's uh you know it gets a big thumbs up from me. As soon as I saw this Spotify thing, it made me think: Are they building their own Kindle? Like this is mm, like the Kindle. Yeah. Right, like, because I'm assuming you're not gonna pay for the cell reset, like the cell service in this thing. Like, it's all wrapped up in your monthly th- right. fee, because they they give you a monthly, like a year commitment, right, with these things. And there was like, as you said, that there's multiple models depending on the price. It seemed to be leaked one that had echo support, one that didn't, and the the price change is different for those. And I would expect it has like some storage on it, so it's loading music in there, um, and then anything else it's pulling from from 4G. And I just saw this and was like, huh, this really reminds me of how the Kindle started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like a smart thing. But, like, obviously we have no real details about it. I mean, it it may as well be a real product considering how people have seen it, right? Like, I don't really look at this as a rumor. This just looks like something that accidentally leaked. But there are so many things. Like, how does this thing actually play music? Like, does it have a speaker built into it? it, How does it connect to your, like, stereo? Like, I'm not sure about all of that. Because you got to use the... I suppose you got to use the phone to set it up initially. Uh, I guess if it's got... It doesn't have a speaker, so it connects to the car via Bluetooth. So it implements the Bluetooth standard... That what's it called? Um, it's got a specific name that I don't remember, and it's got a microphone, so you can talk to it, and it's like a phone, but it's got a uh, I don't know. You talk to the small Spotify device, which then streams audio via Bluetooth to the car. But then, does the car think it's a phone <laughs> or yeah. some other kind of device? Yeah, does it have like a yeah, because it's not really a phone, but if I can connect directly to the car, it's it's pretending to be a phone, which um, what happens if you then have an actual phone that you also want to connect to the car? Like if I'm if I'm supposed to like if you connect this Spotify thing, do you stop receiving receiving phone calls on your phone while driving? Do you think this is a good idea for Spotify or do you think it's like a distraction? I mean, I, I, mm. music while driving uh, it's you know it's extremely common and it's that kind of feature that um because spotify does not own the 
the devices that we that we use. You know, it does not make Android phones. It does not make iPhones. They are an an application. So they maybe they they have realized that to keep you know to to entice people to listen more and more and as much as possible, especially when you consider the things they're doing with podcasting. So, like for example, imagine if you have this Spotify device and you get in the car in, the, in your car in the morning and you ask Spotify to play the news and you get this special programming from Spotify. So they need to make sure that you're always listening no matter where you are. And on the smartphone, they can do that with the, with the app on your home screen. But when you're driving, they are at a disadvantage because uh, you know both iOS and Android have more integrated systems, um, starting from the voice assistant, uh, which plugs directly into the built-in music service, So, especially on iOS. So um, I think they want to do this because they need to make sure that when people are driving, they, they still listen to Spotify. Otherwise, they, they end up like me, where it's more convenient for me to, despite my, my Siri problems with the car microphone, it's still more convenient to use, uh, to use Apple Music because it's integrated with the phone. And when I'm driving, it works better than Spotify. I get the controls on the watch. Uh, what I started doing is I, I ask the Siri on the watch to play stuff because the microphone, it does not redirect the, to the car's microphone. It just uses the microphone on the watch. So hmm. I think the problem here is that Spotify wants to make sure that people, it's kind of exactly like uh, Google with YouTube, they need to make sure that people stay within Spotify and that they keep listening multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? You make a device for the car because uh, otherwise you're still an app and you're subject to limitations that maybe maybe people keep people from listening to spotify all the time yeah my thing is i just i I struggle to like conceptualize how spotify attempt or will attempt to sell this to people Mm. Mm. like what what benefits do you actually get as a as a customer federico basically summed them all up that it's better in the car but what it doesn't do it does i don't think it draws like new people to spotify right because the reality is most people are just going to look at their phones Right, like we can just be honest about that. We shouldn't, but people do. Um, so I don't think it's like going to be a big growth push for them. But um, you know, I think if I think if you're like really in the Spotify camp, it just it maybe reduces friction and it keeps you there as a, as a defense against Apple Music and Siri, which I think is enough. I think it's enough reason for this to exist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't have a car, so maybe I don't like resonate with the use case as much. Mm-hmm. But like, it just seems super strange to like. It's just interesting that you're gonna say to people like, "Here is this device that you connect to Bluetooth and play music on." So, well, I could do it on my phone, though. right? Right. Like, so uh, you know what I mean? It's just like the 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 real benefits that you're trying to get people to sign up for it. I mean, you know, one of them is like, "Hey, it's free if you sign up for a year." Yeah, that might be a, <laughs> enough of a reason. But uh, I'm keen to see what happens with this. Like, clearly this is what happens when you have an IPO, right? Mm-hmm. You got to um, keep doing you try stuff. try and advance. <laughs> keep working. You got to keep doing stuff. I saw I saw a rumor today about, like, Snapchat Spectacles 2. You know, like, this is... Oh, no. uh, yeah, this is what you have to do, I think, when you, when you put yourself on the stock market. But Spotify are in... I wouldn't... I don't want to say danger because they're not. 
but like they are in they they are I think an at risk company going into the future. Like even though they are the the dominant company in this space right now, you know, we spoke about this many times. This is all they do is music. Yeah. And if that industry continues to get trickier for them, if it's harder for them to make money, they have nothing to undercut it with. And I guess locking people in to longer term contracts by sweetening them with devices could be a good way to continue your like to like solidify your future success, I guess. Hmm. And they're a company that is competing with uh, first party services, right? Apple Music's baked into the OS. Um, that's, that's that's a big like uphill battle. And putting yourself on the stock market opens you up to this stuff in a more risky way, yeah, right? Yeah, I think so. Apple announced something, and then Spotify's stock can plummet. Right, and that wouldn't have been something that happened pre-IPO. So. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It is interesting. What is this? Two weeks away, maybe this event that they're having, which they might announce. Yeah, this? two weeks. From yeah, yesterday. a couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. So keep an eye out for it. I think that does it. Mm-hmm. I think we've done it. If you want to find show notes this week for all the stuff we've talked about, head over to relay.fm/slash/connected/slash/188. If you're there, you can get in touch. You can send us an email, or, of course, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Mike as I-M-Y-K-E, and Mike hosts a bunch of shows here at Relay FM. You can find Federico uh, at V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he writes and uh, is the editor-in-chief, you know, the the steady hand on the wheel at MacStories.net. And you can find me on Twitter as ISMH, and I write 512pixels. Dot net. Uh, big thanks to our sponsors this week, Warby Parker, Casper, and Simple Contacts. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.